friends, this is Matt Stone. Welcome back to our story with Dunwoody United Methodist Church. I have two guests today, uh, and we have Dr. Phil Schrader and Reverend Calissa Dodderman. Excited to have you both. Glad you're here. Glad to be here. Yeah, thanks, Matt. Yeah, you bet. So uh, this is the second week of the season of Lent. We started that season last week, uh, actually last Wednesday with Ash Wednesday. This past Sunday was the first Sunday in Lent, uh, and we started a journey of exploration, if you will, in which uh, we're considering the role of wilderness seasons in our life. Phil, remind us where we're headed in this series, Don't Waste the Wasteland. Don't Waste a Wasteland is a time to remind us that even in those low, difficult times when you're walking perhaps through the valley of the shadow of death, uh, that it is a time of self-examination, self-exploration. Last week, we asked people to remember that they were dust, and to dust they shall return. We reminded them to repent and believe in the gospel. And that can be sort of a wilderness journey for many of us, uh, a time when we are away from the comforts that we're normally a part of. And that time in the wilderness allows us to begin to reflect and to see uh, each and every day, and some of our experiences differently. Yeah, and so we started that journey by looking at Deuteronomy 8. I think one of the assumptions we make is in those wilderness seasons in our own life, uh, or at those times where things, everything is just hard, where nothing it seems like nothing we need for thriving is present. In those seasons, typically the approach that we take is, let me just get through this. Yeah. As fast as possible. Let me get to the other side as fast as possible. But what we saw in Deuteronomy 8 uh, in Israel's story is that um, is that when God leads us into wilderness seasons, there is purpose to be found there. And more often than not, God is uh, humbling us, testing and teaching us. And so I think that shifting of frame from endurance to purpose, right? From enduring a season of wilderness to finding purpose in a season of wilderness is really important. I think that's important, just generally speaking, I think it's also very important in this particular moment uh, as we come out of what feels like a global wilderness season, uh, or, or as we can start to see the end of the light at the end of the tunnel in any of it. It made me just think that uh, some people see the Old Testament, sort of all the Old Testament, as sort of a buried wilderness. Uh, you know, all the, the richness, the land flowing with milk and honey is the New Testament. And we're preaching from the Old Testament a couple weeks. Yeah. Um, and I think Phil... That is true. I think one of the other things that is true is particularly as we're starting Lent, particularly as we're talking about, you know, Ash Wednesday, we're talking about wilderness. uh, There is, I think, a great temptation to really view this season as one of um, like an epic bummer. (laughs) Um, Right. And and so what we have to do is find a way to kind of shift our mindset um, to where we can actually use this wilderness time as, as something that is productive, that does have purpose. And so that's kind of what we're talking about this week. We're talking about what helps us to view the wilderness in a new way so that we can be humbled, we can be tested, and we can be taught by that experience. And I think what we have kind of collectively decided on as a clergy team is the idea that there is hope in the wilderness and looking for that hope embodying that hope is what allows us to then 
use that wilderness time as a time of growth. And so that's what we're addressing this week. Yeah, so Calissa, I'm excited about this Sunday to hear you uh, bring a word and a message to us. And the passage that you selected, I think is a fascinating one to look at in Lent. So you chose uh, Isaiah chapter 40, and this is a text that we typically would hear at a different time of year. Uh, And so I'd love to hear you say just a few words about why you chose this particular passage for this particular week. Sure. And um, actually, if you'll allow me, Matt, I think I might like to read it before we talk about it. Go for the gold. All right, let's do this. All right. So this is the first five verses of Isaiah 40. Comfort, O comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that she has served her term, that her penalty is paid, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries out, In the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. Then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all people shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. So, um, if you know these verses, you know them from Advent. You know them from Handel's Messiah. You know them from the, the idea of preparing for the baby Jesus to be born in Bethlehem, and for our God with us, Emmanuel, to arrive here on the scene. Um, Now, that is certainly a wonderful way to kind of read this verse. But when Isaiah was writing it, he was really writing to a people who were experiencing a different kind of wilderness. He was writing during um, the kind of Babylonian exile when Israel had been removed from its home. And um, not only could they no longer live in their home place, they couldn't worship in their temple. They really lost everything that tied them to each other and to the land and to the God that they loved. And so when Isaiah is talking about making a path in the wilderness, I feel like he's really speaking to, I don't know, a different circumstance that we can kind of relate to. And that circumstance is being in a place of kind of confusion and bewilderment and um, disorientation without knowing what the end is, what without knowing what we're working toward. Yeah, I think it's really interesting that, uh, that the passage starts by uh, this um, injunction to speak tenderly to Jerusalem. I think a lot of times people outside the church, and well, I think this happens inside the church too, people outside the church um, have this vision of who God is that... Um, that imagines in a wilderness season like this that God is not speaking tenderly to his people, (laughs) that God is berating his people and yelling at them and saying things like, I told you so, and also get off my lawn, right? This like angry old man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that's exactly what God is not saying here, right? This this, um, word of comfort and this word of tenderness, I think, creates really a beautiful image of who God is in those crisis moments in our lives. Right. And I think it helps us to move away from the temptation uh, that we feel potentially even more greatly during Lent 
um, to experience those places of wilderness as somehow like our fault, our responsibility. There's this kind of um, self-flagellation mm-hmm. impulse that I think can come. That might not be everyone's impulse, but I think I'm certainly more <laughs> inclined toward it. Um, and and what God is saying is, no, there is comfort to be found here. And I, I've got it. All you need to do is open yourself up and prepare for me to make a way. Yeah, I think uh, it's also an image of power, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, as, as it talks about every valley being lifted up and mountain and hill being made low, uneven ground should become level, rough places plain. It's, it's easy, and I think probably for the first 35 years that I read that passage, uh, I kind of skipped over those words. Mm-hmm. And it's easy to do that because it just feels redundant. It's saying the yeah. same thing over and over again. But I think about what a powerful God it must be when you picture the wilderness, which is uh, incredible terrain. And we've talked a couple times about how uh, the wilderness may not be exactly, the wilderness in Judea may not be exactly what you're picturing, right? If you're picturing North Georgia wilderness uh, as the Judean wilderness, then I'd like to reframe that for you and say you need to picture something more akin to a, a rocky desert and uh, full of uh, peaks and valleys. Uh, and so when, it's, when it creates this image of valleys lifted up and mountains and hills being made low, it takes an awesome kind of power to make that path straight. And it stands, therefore for me, as a monumental promise from God. That, yeah. that again, in those wilderness seasons, it is God who is going to make a way for us. It's not me who's going to make a way out of those seasons or a way through those seasons. It is God in God's power who's going to make a, path, a straight path for us. And I think that's a wonderful word of comfort. Right. It's, it's literally calling for and, and promising a tectonic shift, right? Yeah. Uh, it, it is that level yeah, of, of change mm-hmm. that needs to take place. Um, and that's something that none of us can accomplish on our own. I mean... We can maybe strew some breadcrumbs to find our way out of the forest, but, you know, I can't lift up the desert. Um, it's interesting, too. I, I, I think I want to talk a little bit about this um, here is that that kind of imagery is also kind of offered in contrast. We talked about this being a verse that comes out of the period when Jerusalem is in exile in Babylon. And so this idea of kind of creating a highway for the Lord really comes from some of the pagan and Babylonian traditions um, of having kind of triumphal processions through <laughs> through these highways that are created. They're like triumphal roads. Um, and, you know, obviously the road for God cannot be the kind of road where you're displaying um, large statues and like the equivalent of, you know, Rose Bowl floats, um, but rather what is on display is God's work in the world, God's work throughout history, um, God's promise to continue working. And so I, I think that's kind of an interesting way to think about it too, right? That um, we, we gain hope by seeing what God has done and knowing what, can, what God can do. That's interesting. I don't know that I've noticed it before, but there is kind of a co-laboring effect that goes on there, right? It's Mm -hmm. God who's going to bring the valleys up and the mountains low. 
But that, that verse does start with, uh, with an encouragement to the people of God. In the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Uh, I do kind of wonder, what does that mean for us? What does it mean for us to prepare the way of the Lord in that wilderness season? Yeah, that's a good question. And I think one that um, I'm still working through. I think a lot of us are probably still working through it. Um, I mean, the rest of the the text of Isaiah 40 does have some kind of hints to that, right? One of the things that Israel is called to do um, is to go. So there are words of comfort, and then Israel is, is called to go. Go up to a high mountain and preach, essentially, like proclaim the good things that God has done and let people know that good things are coming. So I think there's there's something that I think we might actually liken to like positive self-talk or something like that, where we're proclaiming our faith that that God is there, will be there, can lead us through kind of repeating that to ourselves, kind of um, driving the point home for ourselves so that we can, in fact, find that hope within ourselves and within God to move forward. Because you're good enough. Yeah. And you're smart enough. Right. You got Yeah. You got to tell yourself that. Right. And people like you. Yeah. It's almost a reclaiming of identity, right? Yeah. The, and yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. That's what the remembering of story does is it reminds mm-hmm. us of who we are. Uh, and, and in remembering who we are, we also remember God's mighty acts of salvation and deliverance that made us right. who we are. Right. It's a kind of reminder of not only who we are, but who God is. Um, not not only what we can do, but what God can do. And when we can kind of put together those two deep wells of knowledge, um, th- that's where I think we can begin to prepare our hearts and minds to be receptive to the humility and, and testing and teaching that we might receive in the wilderness. Um, when Matt first started out, he talked about you choosing this text. And mm-hmm. In fact, as we do worship planning, we tend to pick these texts four, six months in advance, trying to get ready for uh, and trusting the Holy Spirit to intercede for what we might be preaching four to six months out. Uh, so you chose the text months ago. Mm-hmm. And my, my question is, uh, you chose the text, but how did this text choose you? Um, so I think that this is one of those passages that because, um, for the reasons that I mentioned before about it being kind of familiar, um, resides in the back of my brain, mm. as, as I think it might for a lot of us. Um, it's kind of one of those things that's just easily recalled. Um, and when I have to think about um, hope, period, not just hope in the wilderness, I sometimes find it difficult to draw upon scripture for that. I think, um, like, if I'm going to be real, the the kind of theological concept of hope is one of the hardest things for me personally to grasp. Um, I think it is so ephemeral and, like, requires such a deep level of, of faith and commitment um, that it's not something that you can kind of get with your brain. You kind of have to get it with your heart. Um, and so... When thinking about hope, I wanted to kind of go to those heart places, right? Mm-hmm. To those places that um, that I can recall easily that do kind of reside somewhere inside my soul. And I thought that this passage um, might not only be 
one that speaks to me personally, but it might be one that is easily accessible and speaks to other folks in our congregation. Thank you. Yeah. I don't know if that answers your question. No, it just, it just, <laughs> it just struck me when you talked about uh, choosing the text is that sometimes you get into the, to the study and the preaching of the text and you're like, okay, I chose this text, but it also chose me at the same time. Yeah. I mean, I think it's definitely speaking to me now in a way that it hasn't before. And it's for a lot of the reasons that we talked about already, right? Like this concept that um, even in the midst of great uncertainty and, and finding ourselves in, in the midst of this space and time that we never really could have imagined, um, that, you know, we serve a God who is capable of great things. And we serve a God who not only is capable of those things, but wants them for us. Um, and that gives us reason to hope. That gives us reason to expect great things yeah that draws a pretty direct line to the end of this chapter yeah Mm. Uh, i I just read the last verse in isaiah 40 those who wait for the lord shall renew their strength they shall mount up with wings like eagles they shall run and not be weary they shall walk and not faint Uh, that seems to me to be part of the role of hope if i'm hearing you right oh yeah absolutely um i think You know, I I don't mean to like harp on the pandemic, but I think it it would really be uh, remiss of us to not address the fact that this is something that we've all been sitting in for about a year now, Um, close to a year. We're really coming up on it. And um, there's a lot of exhaustion to be had out there. I think we're all kind of sharing in this moment of real fatigue. Um, and, And so kind of reminding ourselves that our faith allows us to rise above that fatigue, whatever that, whatever might be causing that fatigue. Maybe it's not the pandemic for you. Maybe you're, you're waiting it out just great. Maybe you have stuff that's going on in your life that is causing a lot of emotional exhaustion for you. Um, Other trials, health issues um, that are just taking a lot out of you. But um, the hope that we find in God, I think allows us to acknowledge those feelings, acknowledge that fatigue, acknowledge the stress, and not only rise above it, but find, I think, renewed energy, renewed strength to kind of face whatever challenge we might, you know, come upon next. Yeah, I think that uh, has, is a great contact point with where we're headed in this in this series that, um, again, the wilderness our lives over the last year, if if we approach this as let's just get through this as fast as we can, then, okay, that's one way to do it. But that's, that's an exhausting way to approach it. Um, Because when, when a wilderness season lasts this long, and for those of you who have been through uh, challenging seasons, maybe not from a pandemic perspective, but Perhaps somebody in your family has been ill for for a long time or you've been dealing with family dynamics or or a job situation that has stretched on uh, for far too long. Uh, You know that that it just gets exhausting to just wait for it to end. But what we find from a biblical perspective is that the approach to wilderness and looking for purpose fosters strength uh, and, uh, and it fosters a sense of hope that carries us then through these kinds of seasons. So 
Uh, I, I'm excited about where that's going to head. I'm excited about Isaiah 40 because it's a fascinating time to look in to look at this chapter of Scripture. Uh, well known to some of us, completely foreign to others of us. And so one of the things that, that we want to invite you to do this week is to simply reread Isaiah 40. Isaiah is one of those books that it's hard to read all the way through. It's an uh, incredibly complex book. Mm-hmm. But Isaiah 40 as a chapter unto itself is rich with imagery. It's rich with um, uh, resources for the journey, if you will. So, uh, Calissa, as we think about getting ready for Sunday, anything else that you think we can do to make sure that we show up on Sunday morning prepared to encounter God? Um, Well, I mean, I think that reading all of Isaiah 40 is a wonderful idea. You should definitely do that. I think another thing that you can do um, is to give some thought to what kind of spaces of wilderness you might find yourself in right now, or potentially one that you've walked through uh, in recent enough memory to kind of access some of the the feelings that you might have experienced there. I think it is very easy to see in retrospect how um, we might have been shaped by our wilderness experiences, but I think sometimes it's less easy to kind of put our finger on how that might happen in the moment. So give some thought to what areas of struggle you might be having right now that you might be able to kind of learn from in this Lenten season. Fantastic. Well, uh, Calissa, like I said, excited about Sunday, excited to hear from you. Phil, is there anything else that we need to be aware of uh, as a church entering this second Sunday of Lent? We are continuing to invite you to uh, go more deeply into prayer, to uh, find ways to study so that you can grow, and to find ways to serve. And one great way to do that is through our great day of service, which is coming up the 20th of March. So I hope you'll sign up to join us in that, and uh, that that will be a time of strengthening you on your Lenten journey. Fantastic. Phil, Calissa, thanks for being here today. Thank you, Matt. Thank you. All right. We'll see you all next week. Thanks for listening to the Our Story podcast from Dunwoody UMC. Visit us online at dunwoodyumc.org and join us for online worship every Sunday. This Sunday, February 28th, join us outside for worship in the parking lot at 11.22 a.m. or for indoor worship in the sanctuary at 9 a.m. In addition to masks and physical distancing, we're asking everyone to reserve their seat by visiting dunwoodyumc.churchreserve.com. We hope you'll join us and add your story to ours.